BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. To search for the Our American Stories podcast, go to the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You have to be a special kind of hero to have John Wayne play in your movie. Claire Chenault was just that kind of man. Here's Nell Chenault Calloway, his granddaughter, with a story. My grandfather was born in 1893 to John Stonewall Jackson Chenault and Jesse Lee. Now he was born in Commerce, Texas, and there's a little family story behind that. 
Uh, my grandfather had a carpetbagger visit his farm in Louisiana, my great-grandfather, I should say, and the carpetbagger was trying to sell him some Mustang horses at an exorbitant price. Well, my grandfather refused to pay the price. Well, the carpetbagger refused to leave. So when he would not leave, my grandfather got his shotgun out and shot the man through his hat. Well, of course, the law came and said, why did you try to kill the carpetbagger? My grandfather said, I didn't try to kill him because if I tried to kill him, he would be dead. But they did feel like maybe it was a good idea to take a job, temporary job across the state line. And that's how they ended up in Commerce, Texas, where they have a marker in Commerce on the property where he would have been born, where he was born. But uh, at, when he was six weeks old, they decided to move back to Louisiana. And they moved back to Gilbert, Louisiana, where my great-great-great-grandfather lived, Dr. Wallace Lee. And Dr. Lee had been a physician in the Confederate Army during the Civil War. And so they lived with him. He had an extensive library. And my grandfather learned to read very early on, and he loved to read books, especially about military history. But unfortunately, his mother died in 1901, when he was only eight years old. And he took it very hard, and the stories in the family say that he would end up going to the woods by himself at nine years old. He would take a gun and a fishing pole, and he would either catch or kill what he ate at a very early age for two or three days at a time. Can't do that anymore, but they did that back then. But it was an alone time, but I think also he learned to be very self-sufficient during that time. And he knew that he had confidence in his ability to take care of himself. And then uh, he happened to go to Shreveport. He talked to his little brother, my Uncle Bill, into going to Shreveport in 1910 to the state fair. And he saw his very first airplane fly. From what I understand, the plane didn't fly very long, but he got very excited about that. And he thought, that is really what I would like to do at some point in time. So in 1917, when World War I started, he joined the military and he applied for the aviation program. But he received a notice, you do not possess the necessary qualifications to be an aviator. So they put him in the cavalry during World War I and he rode a horse. But he kept applying, he was very determined and I love to tell young people that, if you believe in yourself and you believe in what you want to do, you don't give up, no matter what they tell you. He actually was turned down three different times with the same rejection that he did not possess the necessary qualifications. And it was on his fourth application in 1919 that they allowed him to learn to fly and he received his wings on April 9, 1919. He studied how they had fought World War I. And of course, World War I was supposed to be the war to end all wars. But he felt like possibly we may at one point in time get into another confrontation. So he studied, they had done more or less dog fighting, like fly straight out at each other, see who gave in first, reach around, shoot him with a gun, and uh, just really didn't have uh, a lot of patterns that they used in World War I. So he started developing ways to maybe do better aerial combat. He developed a group called Three Men on the Flying Trapeze. 
it was a barnstorming group for the Air Force because the Navy had already done it, so the Air Force thought we need one too. And Chenault was the lead flight and he had two wingmen. But he said, you know, it was convincing proof that airplanes could fly in formation. They had never really flown formations. He used Immelmans and loops to learn how to shoot, do a loop, come back around and fire again. So he used that to prove different ways you could do aerial combat. We actually had a four-star general at Nellis Air Force Base tell us that what he invented during this time in his life about how to do aerial combat, he said, we really still use these methods today. We only adopt them to modern day airplanes. So he wrote a book called Tactical Pursuit, but the bombers had come along in the 20s. The bombers could fly further, faster. They had put guns on the side, top, front, and bottom. And so they told Chenault, you know, this fighter thing, we're just gonna have to go with bombers now. Fighters have become obsolete. We don't need fighter airplanes. And you really need to quit teaching these fighter tactics. Well, he didn't always pay attention very well. And he was convinced that one day fighter airplanes would be invaluable. So he continued to teach it. Well, in 1936-37, he was encouraged to retire from the military. He was told that he was washed up. His ideas were not gonna be used after 20 years of study in flight formations and aerial combat. He was hard of hearing from flying open air airplanes. And so he really just needed to return to the cotton fields back home. And you're listening to the story of Claire Chenault as told by his granddaughter, Nell Chenault Calloway. And my goodness, what a life story it is. Starting really with nothing in Commerce, Texas, migrating to Louisiana. Mama dies in 1901 when he's eight. In an early age, he had to learn and hunt and kill what he ate, developing a self-confidence and a self-sufficiency. Soon he sees planes and wants nothing more than to be an aviator. Rejected three times, he finally succeeds in 1919, earning his wings. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, Claire Chenault's story here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
tickets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we return to Our American Stories when we last left off. Claire Chenault. Still only a captain after 20 years of service in the Army Air Corps, was being pressured to retire by his superiors. Nell Chenault Calloway, his granddaughter, continues with her grandfather's story. So eventually they wore him down. And my grandmother, Chenault, who I was very close to, her name was Nell, by the way, but she would tell me later that these were very depressing times for him. And it was just a very low point in his life. Well, in the meantime, China had heard about his tactics and heard about how he had been working with fighter airplanes. 
and they extended an invitation to him to come to China. So he retired from the military in April of 1937, and he left for China May 1st of 1937. Now, he didn't actually arrive in China until June 1st of 37, but before he went to China, interesting enough, he went to Japan. And he met one of his men, Billy McDonald, who was a part of the three men on the flying trapeze. They pretended to be tourists, and they actually took videos of the Japanese factories. When the war started, he actually had better videos of the Japanese factories than the United States military did at the time. So my grandfather did a survey in June of 1937. Shane Kai-shek thought he had 500 airplanes. My grandfather said, you have 500 airplanes, but you only have 91 that fly. That is how far behind in aviation they were. Now, most people in the United States have never ever been taught about what was going on in China. I have a letter that he wrote to my mother, who was only nine years old, in the middle of June of 1937, talking about this 4,500-mile journey he was going on to do this survey. Well, during that journey, he actually saw firsthand what the Japanese were doing to Chinese people. Between 1931, when the Japanese first invaded Manchuria, and 1945, the Japanese killed between 20 and 55 million Chinese people. The atrocities that they were doing to the Chinese people were every bit as bad as what Hitler was doing on a much, much larger scale. But at the time, people, the comment was made, who cares about yellow people killing yellow people? Well, my grandfather cared. And the actual war between China and Japan started in July of 1937. He wrote Chiang Kai-shek a letter offering his services to China. They were accepted, and in the summer of 1937, he was put in charge as the chief air advisor to the Chinese Air Force. He started training pilots, but more importantly, the one thing he did that I feel like actually was the turning point for the Chinese, and then eventually it would be the turning point for the United States when they arrived in China. He started an early warning system. They called it the bamboo radar system, if you will. But he trained Chinese people how to listen to incoming Japanese airplanes. They would listen to the, what direction they were flying, how fast they were flying. They sent signals even through the Himalayan mountains through radio, telegraph, any way they could, telephone. In the villages, they had a three-ball system. When one ball went up, that meant the Japanese were one hour out. The second ball went up, that meant they were 30 minutes out. When that third ball went up, that meant they were under imminent attack. It was the very first opportunity to run for cover before the Japanese started dropping the bombs. It saved millions of Chinese lives. And eventually, it would save American lives as well. There was an article in the Air Force magazine a few years ago that it was the most sophisticated early warning system of World War II. So he did that, but also, besides letting the people run for cover, it gave what few airplanes were on the ground the ability to get into the air and intercept the Japanese bombers. 
Well, Russia was the main source of airplanes and aid that China was receiving. Well, eventually the Russians pulled out because they got busy with the Germans. And so China was left without any aid, basically, or anybody to help them. The Italians had trained the Chinese pilots very poorly. Uh, basically, they allowed them to fly airplanes that their fathers held high political positions. So a lot of young Chinese men were killed because of the poor training that the Italians had given. So it was decided that my grandfather, General Chenault, would come home with some of the leaders of China and try to talk to President Roosevelt into sending aid to China. And this was the end of 1940, beginning of 1941. Eventually, Roosevelt would sign the Lend-Lease Act, allowing China to purchase 100 P-40 Warhawk airplanes. And also, Roosevelt gave them a special letter allowing them to enter the bases of the Army, Navy, and Marine Corps. And they were allowed to recruit men to come fly for China. And so he was able to recruit 100 pilots and about 200 support crew. They started arriving in China the summer of 1941. The last group didn't get there till November of 1941. We all know what happened on December 7th of 1941. We as Americans woke up on December 8th and we found ourselves at war on two different fronts. We were ill prepared for war. We had been an isolationist country. And so we weren't sure we could ever have a victory in this war and what was gonna happen. But on December 20th, of 1941, these American volunteer group, is what they were called at the time, shot down nine of 10 Japanese bombers over Kunming, China. They were the first Americans to have a victory in World War II. And in the seven months time that they flew for China, with by then only about 60 to 70 pilots still left, and only about 50 or 60 planes operational because they couldn't get parts and they had lost some in training accidents. They never lost a battle in the sky. And they are credited with shooting down 299 Japanese airplanes confirmed, about that many unconfirmed, and they only lost 12 of their own in actual combat. And that record has never been broken to this day, and from what I understand, he is now known as the father of tactical pursuit in our modern-day Air Force, and they give a trophy every year called the General Claire L. Chenault Trophy for the pilot that excels in fighter tactics. So for somebody who didn't possess any qualifications, he really did okay. <laughs> well, on July 4th of 1942, by then they were called Flying Tigers, were incorporated back into the United States military. And they established the China Air Task Force. But Stilwell and Chenault didn't really see eye to eye very well. And Stilwell was a foot soldier. He didn't really think airplanes did that great a job anyway. And so most of the materials they were getting from the United States were going to the, the ground war and not to China Air Task Force. Madam Shane Koshak came to the United States. She is the first woman to ever address both houses of Congress. And she told them, if you don't start sending supplies to the Air Force and to Chennault, the war in China is going to be over. 
So they established the 14th Air Force and they put Chenault in charge and this 14th Air Force would go on to establish records also. It's almost a David and Goliath type story, you know, because it was so few men and they did so much with so few men. And you've been listening to Nell Chenault Calloway tell the story of her grandfather. What a story it is indeed. By 1937, he's finished with the United States and his service. And instead, he goes to China and sees firsthand the atrocities and the racism, the virulent racism, the Japanese held towards everything and everybody. And no one suffered more than the Chinese did. Tens of millions of people massacred for no reason other than they were not Japanese. And it was the prevailing sentiment in much of the Western world until it wasn't, and there were some men that didn't think that was right. One of them was Claire Chenault. When we come back, more of this remarkable story. The story in the end of so many things, including the Flying Tigers, here on Our American Stories. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we return to our American stories. Previously, we heard the tale of General Claire Chenault's rise to fame as a leader of the American Volunteer Group, better known as the Flying Tigers. His story and his legacy did not end there. Here's Nell Chenault Calloway, his granddaughter, telling the rest of her granddad's story. You know, especially with the relationship between China and the United States, what it is today. My grandfather wrote his memoirs in 1949, and it's called Way of a Fighter, which is what our exhibit here at the museum is based on the book that he wrote. It's a bilingual exhibit, it's Chinese and English. But the last sentence of that book, I think, is so prophetic. It says, it is my fondest hope that the sign of the flying tiger will remain aloft just as long as it is needed on both shores of the Pacific to show two great peoples working toward a common goal in war and peace. And basically, no matter how divided our countries are right now, we all have a common goal. We want to live in peace and raise our families in peace and tranquility. That is a commonality that we have with the Chinese people. And I think we need to remember that. We need to remember history and what we accomplished during a time of war and how important it is to work together to hopefully give a better future for our future generations. I've been invited to China. I've been to China 13 times and I've been to Taiwan twice. And I'm always the guest of the government because they appreciate their heroes and their heritage. That's one thing about the Asian culture that I feel like we could take lessons from. I've opened Flying Tiger Museums in three different places in mainland China. In Taiwan, I have visited a museum that has things about Chinat in it. It's on an Air Force base. I've been able to meet the former president of Taiwan, President Ma, who was a huge Flying Tiger fan, and he loved my grandfather very much and deeply appreciated his efforts. So it's always very humbling for me because I realize when they do these things, they invite me over there, they've allowed me to bring my family, my grandchildren, my children. And it's very humbling to be a part of this deep appreciation that they feel so many years later, 80 plus years later, for a man that actually came to their aid. 
If you believe, I tell students that come here to the museum, I tell them, if you really believe in something like he did in the fighter airplane, fighter tactics, you study very, very hard. You don't take that for granted. It's something, it's not, you're not gonna be able to convince anybody anything unless you've studied and you've done your homework, so to speak. So he studied very, very hard, but also when he got to China, he saw a people in need. His citizenship was threatened on more than one occasion if he did not come home from China. But he knew these people needed him. He really put aside so many different things, including the family that he had at home. He had my grandmother, they had eight children. My mother was the youngest of the eight children. But he knew that they were living in a safe country and he knew these Chinese people needed his help to, you know, whatever he could give toward their effort to fight against the Japanese. So I think it was a very selfless thing that he did for the Chinese people. And I think we can learn a lot for that. And, you know, eventually he wasn't recognized in his own time. His second wife, Anna, that he married in 1947, in her book, she felt like he was probably the biggest ace of World War II. She credits him with shooting over 40 Japanese airplanes out of the air. But one of the things that he could never tell that part of the story is because it was not really something that he should have been doing, uh, defending a foreign country as an American citizen. So he never ever told whether he did that or not. But I, I think history proves that he probably did. But who would have thought 80 plus years later that he would still be recognized and honored for his contributions, not only to aviation, but also I have Chinese people that tell me with tears in their eyes, if it were not for your grandfather, I wouldn't be alive today. So there's a lot of understanding and education about what was going on. And the main thing is that we need to learn from our history. You know, it's so important to look at history and to see the lessons learned. We were not friends with China before the war started. In fact, I have a letter my grandfather wrote home about the fact that America was sending Japanese the supplies they needed to kill so many innocent Chinese people. And we were, and as you well know, that's one of the reasons we ended up in the war because we cut off that supply chain. And then Japan came after us. And he never did it for fame or fortune. He could have cared less about that. He did it because he believed in mankind and he believed in the humanness of all people. One more aside, when the war was over, he was once again forced to come home in 1945, but he was still determined to fight against communism. And so he went back and he started an airline called the Civil Air Transport. And this airline saved millions of Chinese lives as well because the Japanese had stripped all of Southern China of its agricultural products, livestock, and the plane was one of the first civilian airlines in China. It was used to ferry livestock and people into the villages, but it was also used as a covert airline to try to help supply the Nationalist Army to fight against the communists. That airline was sold to the CIA and it became Air America. So he is one of the founders of Air America as well. I knew him, I was only eight when he passed away. But you know, everybody has two grandfathers. And back then, back in the 50s, children were seen and not heard. So my other grandfather, we would visit him and he would pat us on the head and tell us to stay outside while the adults went inside. 
But my grandfather should not love children. In fact, he supported orphans very early on. He started sending money to the war orphans in China. And I have letters from Madame Chiang Kai-shek talking about the checks that he sent in for the war orphans while he was there. So he loved children. We go visit him. He sent my parents to have tea with Anna and he would take my brothers and I into a room and talk to us first. I would sit on his lap and he would be interested in us. Uh, a lot of times people tell me, did he tell you stories? Of course he didn't tell eight year old stories of war. You know, he didn't tell anybody stories of war. That was just not the way he was as most people didn't talk about war back in those days. But he would ask us what we like to do. He would tell us we needed to study really hard and he really believed in education and then he would take us to the garden and you know just did special things that a lot of grandfathers back then didn't do so I, my both of my grandfathers died the same month and uh, i remember being very sad about his death because you know i did feel closer to him and he was a very good father my mother was only nine as i said when he left for china unfortunately she really didn't save her letters but she did say he always was sending her, I have some rings that he sent her, he sent her ivory, he sent her just different gifts to let her know that he was thinking about her and she was special to him. So even though he was in a war situation and totally overwhelmed, I'm sure many, many times, he always let his children know, all eight of them, that he was involved in their lives, which I think is pretty special. Some of his children did save their letters and, and he was very intricately involved in their lives. And a terrific job on the storytelling by Carter McNishan. A special thanks to Nell Chenault Calloway, the granddaughter of General Claire Chenault, who rose to fame as leader of the American Volunteer Group, otherwise known as the Flying Tigers. And what she said about her granddad, well, it's just so important. If you believe in something the way he did, you study very, very hard. He didn't do what he did for fame and fortune but for mankind. And he was deeply anti-communist. And what he would have thought today, well, I know his love for the Chinese people would have been the same. The government, I think it would have been a different thing. The story of General Claire Chenault, here on Our American Story. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough 
introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything on this show. And up next, Perhaps one of the biggest football rivalries in the United States is between Ohio State and Michigan. On game day, traditionally the third weekend of November, fans of Ohio State cover up every M they can see, and Michigan fans partake in Buckeye nutcracking. What most people don't know, however, is that this rivalry extends back to the early 1800s over a land dispute that turned violent. Here's Monty Montgomery with a story. It's a well-known fact if you live in the Midwest that Michigan and Ohio don't really like each other that much. Most of that comes down to football today, but that hasn't always been the case. It used to come down to a small strip of land known as the Toledo Strip that resulted because of a mapping error in the Northwest Territories combined with interesting language in the Northwest Ordinance in the early 1800s, which ultimately led to a war between Michigan and Ohio when Michigan was applying for statehood. Here's Ted Long, founder of Holy Toledo History, with more on this remarkable story. The rule was something like the Michigan was to run on a line east and west drawn through the southerly bend of the extreme of Lake Michigan till it reached Lake Erie. And if you draw that line, 
it clearly puts Toledo and Maumee Bay in Michigan. And as the story goes, in 1803, when the state legislature in Ohio was putting together their application, a trapper comes down from up north and reminds them, if you follow that, you're going to lose lake access. And so they made an adjustment, applied for statehood. Apparently, there was some people in Washington that raised an eyebrow, but nobody did anything about it, and it passed. And suddenly, Ohio's a state, and they have Maumee Bay. Which, according to the language of the Northwest Ordinance, should have been Michigan's. Questions started to brew about how did this happen and what's going on. And Edward Tiffin was the Surveyor General of Northwest Territory, later became Governor of Ohio. He ordered up a survey from a guy named William Harris. And that survey followed exactly what the state of Ohio did in 1803. So it was kind of a ginned up deal. It's like, hey, we need you to do a survey. Just make sure it follows what we already did. That became the Harris line. And then in 1818, President Monroe stepped in and said, well, I'd like to order my own survey. So they asked Harris to do it again. And he said no and invited a guy by the name of John Fulton to do the survey. When he was done, we now have the Fulton line. And it, by the way, followed what the Northwest Ordinance should have been. And so the difference between the Harris line and the Fulton line becomes this 450-mile wedge-shaped section of land that became known as the Toledo Strip. And it's five, basically five miles wide at the Indiana border and eight miles wide by the time you get to Lake Erie. But within that small space was something very important to both Michigan and Ohio. The big plus was lake access. You've got Maumee Bay included in that portion of the strip that's five miles wide that includes Maumee Bay. And and that was already a very active port and and, um, an important part of uh, the, the Northwest Ohio area. But what people also knew was that coming along was probably the biggest economic development project coming, which was the Miami Erie Canal. And that was gonna connect the Great Lakes with the Mississippi River. And they knew that a terminus for that had to be somewhere in that area. And so Ohio wanted that terminus and so did Michigan Territory. So to prevent Michigan from getting it, Ohio simply claimed it as their own. But Michigan, led by 24-year-old Governor Stevens T. Mason, wasn't going to let Ohio walk all over them. Oh no. They were going to fight for the land. But first, with the pen. Well, when Michigan finally comes around to apply for statehood, their governor, Governor Mason, he oversees the passage of what's referred to as the Pains and Penalties Act which essentially leveled fines against anyone, and jail sentences, by the way, on any Ohio officials who tried to exercise jurisdiction over that, this contested territory. And so that meant anything going on within what we know as Toledo today was covered under the Pains and Penalties Act. Now the big question became was, how was he going to enforce it? At the same time that that went through, Ohio Governor Robert Lucas then passed a resolution that extended the county borders into the strip. Before that, if you look at old paperwork here in Toledo area, a lot of it would be filed under Port Lawrence, Michigan, or Port Lawrence Township, Michigan. A lot of the Ohioans just thumbed their nose at the Pains and Penalties Act and 
the Michigan governor and said, we made the decision, we're, we're part of Ohio. And that decision to thumb their nose at Michigan resulted in all-out war. And Michigan raised its militia and sent them to Phillips Corner, where the first battle was fought. Spring of 1835, there was a number of things that happened, actually. The, I think it was April 9th, there was a posse that was led down by the Michigan sheriff, and he arrested a number of Ohio State officials. There were some newspaper reports that they tore a Ohio State flag down and dragged it through the streets and then burned it. And then a few days after that, about 60 Michigan partisans came down and intercepted a survey team on April 26th, and that became known as the Battle of Phillips Corners. And there's actually a, a plaque uh, out the middle of nowhere designating where this Phillips Corner took place, the Battle of Phillips Corner. Actually, it was no battle at all. The Michigan militia showed up. There were nine members of the survey party. The militia shot over their heads, and um, I think a couple of people were actually captured. The rest of them ran off. There was no blood or anything like that. This was more of a shot across the bow for the state of Michigan or the Michigan Territory. And seeing that Michigan was going to fight for the land, Ohio naturally fought back. Or at least one Ohioan did. Yeah, so a couple of months after the Battle of Phillips Corner uh, in July of 1835, the Michigan Sheriff Joseph Wood comes into Toledo and he's going to try to arrest a couple of Ohio partisans, one of whom is a gentleman by the name of Two Stickney, who actually had a brother named One Stickney. His father, Benjamin Stickney, was one of the, really, the founders of uh, the Toledo area. He was heavily involved in both Port Lawrence and Vistula and helped promote the idea of those two, organiza- those two towns coming together to form Toledo. Anyway, the sheriff come in, comes in, tries to arrest two Stickney. Scuffle breaks out. I've heard it described as a pen knife. Stickney pulls out of his pocket, stabs the sheriff, kind of left him with a minor wound, but that was the first and only blood drawn in the whole Michigan War. They say that Sheriff Wood was kind of the Toledo War's lone casualty. Soon enough, the federal government, especially President Andrew Jackson, grew tired of these shenanigans and sought a resolution to the conflict. Well, there were a lot of different things going on in in Washington and and how it played out. There was it was pure politics. But Jackson eventually steps up and says, enough's enough. We're going to offer you all the Upper Peninsula. And we're going to give Toledo essentially what was laid out in the original Ohio statehood uh, application. Folks in Michigan were not real excited about that. But they also knew that the federal government, which had actually reached a point where they were getting ready to distribute actual money to some of the states, in order to get in line for that, they had to get statehood. That money was not going to come to Michigan Territory. So they knew they had to get in line. And so originally they voted against the proposition. And then things got pretty ugly when they realized that they were just going to be left out in the cold, weren't going to get any federal uh, support. They had then a second convention, which is referred to as the Frostbite Convention, in December of 1836, and they reluctantly agreed to the compromise and took on the uh, Upper Peninsula and um, 
Toledo became part of Ohio. And I, I, it's funny because Michigan becomes the uh, 26th state in the union. And a lot of folks said, you know, they kind of got the short end of the stick. But at the same time, as time went by, they realized that that 9,000 square miles of land they picked up in the uh, UP was heavily loaded with deposits of copper and iron ore. And so they were able to get their money's worth out of it from that standpoint. And then today, if you look at that area, it's spectacular vacation area, winter, summer, fall. And um, I don't want to say anything having you know lived here in Toledo, but I think Michigan might have done okay in that deal in the, in the end. The Upper Peninsula, that's what they got for the deal. And Ohio, well, they got Toledo. And it was a at the time, what they wanted. What a great deal for both in the end. The Toledo War, here on Our American Stories. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 